0: This has been an interesting start to a year where I think we were coming out of twenty twenty going, Yes, a new year and there's a number of memes going around now of you know, of twenty twenty one representing, you know, twenty twenty, you know, t- taking the taking the brunt of twenty twenty one already. And I think we're all just kinda looking at, at at what's going on in the the country and in the world and just just scratching our heads and it's been just a time, I think, for us as, as believers that we need, to, we need to pray. We need just to believe that God can heal our, our country. And I was challenged this past week um, by what was going on. We found ourselves in the, week of, in a, in the midst of a week of prayer, and, um, and, and, and in the midst of that, there was this chaos that was ensuing in our country. And um, so I, I, I found myself on, on Wednesday um, being... Being challenged and, and and God, what would you what would you say to us as believers, and what would you say to us as Christ followers? And there's a gentleman by the name of, of uh, Pastor Wilfredo de Jesus, and he is our um, National Assembly of God Treasurer. Um, he works out in Springfield. We are uh, as neighborhood church affiliated with the Assemblies of God as a fellowship. And he shared a thought on on January 6th that I thought was was timely, and I had posted it, I had reposted it on on Facebook and. I think I got about three and a half likes, which I found interesting. Um, And I just said a timely message. Uh, He goes by Pastor Choco. I said a timely message from Pastor Choco regarding our nation. We must find a way to come together to speak life and love amidst a world who has forgotten what it means to place the value of and respect for one's life above their opinions, beliefs, and convictions. This is what Pastor Choco said. The moral fabric of this country has been shredded. Little by little, the arrogance and pride that once clothed America has left it naked and exposed. Where there is a moral decadence, a tsunami of hatred is inevitable. And for the last several decades, we have watched that tsunami grow stronger in this country. President Trump will not fix this. President-elect Biden will not fix this. There is no man or woman that will fix this problem. God was removed from the heart of our country not by a political party, but by the evil in the heart of man. When God is absent, evil prevails. There is no question that evil is prevailing in America today. The idolatry of the political system pulled away at our fabric and has left the country gravely exposed. The violence in the Capitol must be condemned. It is unbiblical and does not honor God. As the church, we must stand against all injustice, all hatred and all evil let's remember to look to the lord for healing and not forget his sovereignty i lift my eyes to the to the mountains where does my help come from my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth psalms 121 1 through 2. would you pray with me this morning for our country father god we find ourselves in this place of confusion and chaos many who are angry and we are upset and are confused by what's going on in our country. And we see evil running rampant. And at times we, 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 off, we, we may find ourselves even wondering where you are at in all of this. And yet the reality is that your promise that you will never leave us and never forsake us has not changed. We realize there's much for us to do as followers of Christ, as people who are called to reflect your love and to reflect your purpose. And so I pray that you would help us today to humble ourselves, to pray for our country, to pray for our leaders, to pray for those who are consumed by hatred. God, that we would be able to be those who would turn the other cheek and would love people despite the rhetoric that's being thrown around. God, we ask that you would heal our nation, that you would heal the United States, that you would heal this world from the evil that seems to be running out of control. In everything, God, we know and we proclaim that you are good and that you are faithful. And so, God, we rest in that today and we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, over the past year... We've been pursuing God's desire for each of us and for our neighborhood church community. We've been on this continual quest to understand what God is calling us to and what God is desiring to do in each and every one of our lives. And one thing I know, there's much to be done in our church and in our community. There is more work to be done. We've not arrived. God has not said, hey, you can take this season off because you guys did so great before. And I know that there are wide open doors if we're willing to go outside of our church doors. Never before have we seen so much chaos and craziness, or at least not in my lifetime. And yes, we can look throughout history, and we've seen hatred, and we've seen evil. We've seen the tide. So this is not the first time that we've ever had to endure this kind of chaos. And yeah, I believe in the midst of that, God is opening doors and opening hearts to what we might do. Just this year, we sat on a Zoom call with the superintendent of schools um, in Albany and heard her cry out with a plea to our churches, to our organizations, to come and to be a blessing to our schools. I've never seen that before. Just in case you didn't know, the the academic world, whether you're talking about primary or secondary or higher education, is very liberal. We know that God has been pulled out of our schools a long time ago, but these doors are beginning to open to invite the Spirit of God back into our schools. And so this morning, as we come together, I'm grateful that we can come together to worship. Whether you're here on site or or you're tuning in online, we still have the ability to worship God to worship Him freely. So today I want to challenge us to come back to a place of what God is desiring to do in your life and through this church. You know, each week we've been intentional with a a challenge and an encouragement. You've probably heard me throughout the last several months as we finish Sunday and we finish our message. You've heard me continually engage this challenge. At the end of every message, I say, let's be the neighborhood. And at times, you've probably looked, looked at that and said, you know, that's, that's confusing. Why does he say that? It doesn't even make sense. It's not even a complete sentence for all you grammar, grammar geeks out there. And maybe you've found yourself kind of getting annoyed. Why does he say that every week? It's kind of annoying. Well, you know what? Tough. Because I think it's a reminder and it's a challenge of who God is calling us to be as a community of believers, that we're called to go out and be the body of Christ. We're called to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. My desire is to encourage us with the direction that God has given me for Neighborhood Church and for us as believers. And there's three key areas that I want to emphasize today and want to discuss as it pertains to how we are called to live our lives. I've entitled today's message just simply, Be the Neighborhood. You know, neighborhoods represent different things for different people. For me, it was a place of familiarity. It was that place of safety. It was that place you know, I, I, where, where people knew me and, and, and I knew people. And it's that, it's that place to, to know and be known. It was also that place where when I decided I, I wanted to maybe do something stupid like jump off of our roof into our above-ground Doughboy pool, that the neighbors who didn't see quite as much wisdom in that decision would, would go ahead and get a hold of my parents and say, hey, just so you know, your, your, your son's an idiot and he's doing stupid things. It was that place where, where you, you're surrounded by friends. You're, you're surrounded by people who are looking out for you. I remember growing up Mowing Dean's lawn across the street, the old man who, who was a widow, widower and, and, and had lost his wife and needed help. And I remember he'd give me 20 bucks to mow his front and his back lawn, and then he'd give me a popsicle. Not a bad deal. 20 bucks and a pop. Everybody loves popsicles. You know who doesn't like popsicles? Communists. <laughs> but I remember neighborhood representing familiarity and, 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 and closeness. And as we talk about this call to be the neighborhood to those with whom we interact, the Apostle Paul challenges us in Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 8. That's our text for today, and if you want to flip there in your Bibles, you can. Um, If you have your mobile device or your iPad, you can follow along on the UVersion Bible app with our scriptures and, and our notes. But Romans chapter 13 verse 8 says let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law the commandments do not commit adultery do not murder do not steal do not covet and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule love your neighbor as yourself therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Father God, we pray that you would help us today to understand who you are calling us to be as followers of Christ individually and corporately, as a body of believers who would desire to reach outside the walls of our church to reach people for your cause. I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to love people the way that you do. And God, that you would equip us today. You would challenge us. You'd speak to our hearts We humble ourselves in your presence and ask you to speak to us by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for this time, and we ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we dive into the scriptures today, I want to focus on the distinctive vision God has given Neighborhood Church. There are three words that will define the direction of our church over the coming years. And they're simple words, love, grow, and be. Love, grow, and be. Not complex words, not even multi-syllable words. Try to keep it simple for everybody. And as we unpack these words, I'm hopeful that you grab hold of the essence of each one of these actions. Stand alone by themselves, they're just you know wonderful words that we can look at and go, oh, isn't that nice? Those are great attributes but we need to think of them in the present active tense in an ongoing manner that we're called to love, grow, and be today and tomorrow and the next day and continually throughout our lives. You know, the first word I want to talk about today is love. And we're called to love God and love people. Love God and love people. And God's very nature is one of love, and he's created us in his image, imago Dei, image of God. We're created in his image to love. First John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We may not be able to see God, but we can, sh- we can sure see the attributes of who he is. You know, interestingly enough, we misunderstand the command to love God. In society, we see too often that love is a feeling or an emotion, it represents romance. and Oh... Gretchen and I watched one of our token Hallmark movies yesterday, and oh, the, the romance that ensued was amazing. It was just the perfect picture of love. And yet that's our, that's our definition of love too often, is this feeling, this emotion. And yet that's the type of, type of love that Jesus is speaking of is, is not an emotion at all. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34, says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. When Jesus was speaking of love, This passage of scripture, he was not speaking about a feeling or an emotion. He was speaking of agape love, not the eros or the phileo or the other aspects of love. He was speaking of agape love or the active tense, agapeo love. Most reference guides, even if you look this up in a concordance or a transcript, get this wrong. They look at love and they, and they, they, they see it as, as, you know, to be fond of something or someone or to, to love something or someone dearly. To love is actually actively doing what the Lord prefers. The way it's defined in this passage is to actively do what the Lord prefers, it's not what we prefer, and, well, I prefer, you know, white chocolate over dark chocolate, and so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prefer white chocolate because I love white chocolate. That's not, it. That's not it at all. It means to actively do what the Lord prefers. So we have to naturally ask ourselves, do we prefer what the Lord prefers? Because Jesus' commandment is simple. Love God and love your neighbor. But do we want to define what God prefers ourselves? Do we want to come up with his preferences? Well, God prefers this, or God prefers that, and my priorities need to fall in line with God, so God, you need to change yours. Because we find ourselves in that place where we want to kind of define the universe for God instead of come under his authority. It's ironic to me that we hold so dearly to our opinions and beliefs. We have all these strong opinions about things, you know, and and right now we're seeing people's opinions and beliefs like never before. And we hold so dearly to them. And oftentimes we give our opinions and our beliefs the power to eliminate our desire or ability to influence those with whom we disagree. We allow our opinions and beliefs to drive wedges in between us and those that God, God would desire that we love. And we seem to be okay with that. That's okay. You know? He doesn't believe what I believe. You know, I don't, I don't really want to talk to him. If you don't believe what I believe, then you can just unfollow me. Why are we so ridiculous on social media? If you want to censor me, I'm going to move over here and I'm going to do this. And I'm not going to sit here and chastise people and rebuke people for how you use social media. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that up to God. But too often, we're okay with wedges being driven into fellowship that we have with people. And that's not what God intended at all. We seem to believe that God put us on this earth to walk around in righteous indignation, judging and condemning people. We seem to think that God said, yeah, on my behalf, why don't you go around and be my judge? You shouldn't do that. God doesn't like that. You're a bad person. You're living in sin. I condemn you all. Go and live your lives in peace.
1: That's just not how it's supposed to work.
0: Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? We too quickly forget the grace that has been given to us, the grace and mercy that God gives us freely through his love. Can we separate the evil in the world from those who are carrying it out? Do we have that ability? Are you able to say that's evil and not have to back it up with that person is?
1: That's a tough task
0: because there's a lot of finger pointing going on right now. Are we more committed to a political cause or person or a social justice platform that we desire to move on from relationship and our ability to point people to Christ?
1: If so, I would humbly say, we need to get our priorities
0: straight. That's not what we see. There is nowhere in Scripture that I've read where it says, you disagree with somebody strong enough, it's okay to just cast them aside and move on. You can find that verse, let me know. But last time I checked, no one has censored or canceled your ability to share the love of Jesus. It just hasn't happened. God has called us to love people unconditionally and unequivocally. Is it more important to defend God and the gospel or to love people? Marinate on that one for a little while. Is it more important to defend God, to defend the gospel, or to love people? Because you know what? Peter got it wrong. Peter's in the garden, right? Jesus is, is there before he goes to the cross. He's in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's got a bunch of his, of his, of his key guys around him. And he says, listen, fellas, I need you to stay awake and pray with me because this is going to be a tough night, and I need you to hang tight with me. And what happens? They all cash out. They're sacked out on the, on the ground, and Jesus goes off to pray. And Jesus comes back, and we all, know, we all know what unfolds. Jesus shows up with the centurions. They come to arrest Jesus. You can see the scene unfolding. It's like, you know, something out of Gladiator. And Peter wakes up, and the guys wake up, and here they come. And they go to arrest Jesus, and Peter pulls his sword out and lops this guy's ear off, and he's like, Are you not entertained? Right? It's like Russell Crowe. You can see it. it's like, yeah. And what does Jesus do? Thank you, Peter. That's what, exactly what I was about to do. No. <laughs> What's his response? Peter, put your sword away. Peter, what are you doing? And he picks the guy's ear up, he puts it back
1: on his head, and he heals him instantly.
0: We think that we need to defend God. Do you think he needs your help? Do you think Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, first the last the beginning the end that guy needs our help he needs our protection god's been here a long time long before i ever set foot on this earth and he doesn't need me to defend him does it mean that we don't grab hold of the gospel and say "Man, this is for me it's without fault. It's without failure. No, that's absolutely what we should do. But When it comes to somebody saying, I don't believe that. Oh, oh, well, we're, we're all done then. I can't, I can't be seen around you. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to actively love those who are hurting and lost. Jesus never shied away from an opportunity to show love regardless of who it was or what they represented. Jesus constantly showed up on the scene with the worst of the worst, the people who were dirty and nasty and were doing things that were despicable. I think of of, of Jesus showing up in the street with the adulterous woman who'd literally been pulled out of of the bed naked, and she's standing there, and they're getting ready to stone her. And he just says, Who of you is without sin? Cast the first stone. They all drop their rocks and they walk off, ticked off. What does Jesus do? You knock it off. You know better than this. You were raised better than that. Now he says, Where
1: are your accusers? Go and sin no more. Go and live a life of purity. Yet we
0: think that we have the ability to condemn people on Jesus' behalf. And nowhere does it say that's our purpose. We've got to love God, and we've got to love people. The second word is grow. And we've got to be willing to grow in our devotion to God and our devotion to one another. We've got to be willing to grow in our understanding of who God is, what he desires for our life, what he says in scripture, and then be willing to grow in community and relationship with one another. When it comes to our lives, there's always room for growth. We don't ever just arrive and say, hey, I just woke up this morning and it's amazing. I'm perfect. (laughs) You guys haven't already figured that out. I mean, you know. That's not how it works. We don't ever arrive until we stand before the maker stand before our creator and he says well good well done good and faithful servant then we've arrived but until then we've got to be in an attitude and a posture of growth the reality is we must daily engage our source in order to experience healthy growth we need to daily be in the word of god and in prayer understanding that god desires to grow and challenge us john chapter 15 Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, In essence, showing yourselves to be my followers.
1: You bear fruit showing you're a follower
0: of Christ. So growth is a choice we have to make daily. It's not this kind of like, well, I grew yesterday, it's Sunday, it's Sabbath, so I should, have, I should, I, I should be able to put it on cruise control. I don't need to grow today, right? I'm not even supposed to do anything on the Sabbath, so... Let's take Scripture out of context that way. No growing on Sundays. No, growth is a daily decision, and none of us are able to say, I just don't need to today. God calls us to grow in our love and our devotion to him and to other people. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness or Christ-likeness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Gross that you'll be filled. Let your love abound more and more. Reality is growing in our devotion to God and service to others will not always be pleasant. It's not going to always be easy. I was telling somebody about this the other day. I think we were in staff meeting. And, you know, there's unlovable people out there, people who are hard to love. And I came up with a genius idea, and I don't know if I shared this on Sunday yet. Unlovables, right? Okay? Nobody cares about uh, the, uh, what do you call those dumb things with little tags on the ears? Beanie babies. Nobody cares about beanie babies anymore, right? Nobody is selling those on the internet anymore. I'm talking about unlovables, right? Okay, just go with me here. uh, This is genius, and we're gonna make a ton of money, and the church is gonna be blessed, and everybody's gonna say Dan is the greatest person who's ever walked the face of the earth. Unlovables. So, you got like the, the the cats, you know, the cats with no hair, and the dogs with the hair, you know, no hair and the things coming off their ears, or maybe Bob. The dachshund, you know, Grant's dog, that you can see the spine and there's no hair left on Bob's back. Unlovables, I'm telling you. They're so ugly, they're cute. <laughs> Growing in our devotion to God and service will not always be pleasant and easy because there's a lot of unlovable people around that you go, Oof. you know, and we want to we get them all cleaned up and we want to make sure they're, doing all the right things and then you can come into church and it's going to be great. Come on in. You're all cleaned up. Got the right pants on and you don't have that
1: weird graphic on the shirt that everybody goes, oh, oh, oh."
0: Sinclair B. Ferguson said this, spiritual growth depends on two things. First, a willingness to live according to the word of God. Second, a willingness to take Whatever consequences emerge as a result. We like the first part, right? The willingness to live according to the Word of God. Okay, I could do that part. You know, just Don't kill people. You know, don't, get, don't, don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal people's stuff. Okay, I, I can get on board with all those. What happens when people do those things to us? The consequences of living for God... Will oftentimes rear their ugly heads. And in our quest to grow daily, the question we need to ask ourselves is Am I growing more or less into Christ's likeness? Am I more, growing more and reflecting Him, or am I just kind of on my own journey here? And, you know, whatever people see is, is up to them. Because our devotion to God and His purposes should always be followed by a devotion to love and serve other people. Always. Faith
1: without deeds is dead. Love without action
0: is just lip service. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Selfless living will always cost us but it becomes kind of something that can be a little bit more joyful the more we do it. The more we reach out, the more we invest in other people, the more we give, it starts to become this thing that kind of is like, ah, I really like this, I really like doing this. Because you see, you see what happens. You see a life changed. You see a heart transformed. You see God change a family tree. And maybe you played some small part in selfless love to help that Be accomplished. The reality is, our service to others is actually the greatest sign of commitment to follow Jesus. Let me say that again. Our service to others, our love for others, is the greatest sign of our commitment to follow Jesus, because that's what He did.
1: That was His ministry loving people, healing their needs.
0: Praying with them, feeding them, being available. And understanding we're on a journey to Christ's likeness, our priority should be to grow in our devotion to him and his purpose to love and serve other people. That should be our desire every day, to be on journey. So we've got to love God and love people. And we've got to grow in our devotion to God and to one another. Last word is be. We're called to be active in the command to love everyone at all times and everything. Love everyone at all times and everything. That's like it makes me me tired just thinking about it. Love everyone all the time in everything? It's like impossible. Come on. And yet, that's Christ's example to us. Because act of love is not circumstantial. We're called to love everyone. It's not like, "Ah, I think I'll love people today, tomorrow. (laughs) You want to put it on a mug or something. Today's not your
1: day to be loved.
0: (laughs) John 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Did you get the theme of that verse? Love. When we love people unconditionally, we can be confident they will not just see who we are, but more importantly, whose we are. You call yourself a follower of Christ. If you call yourself a Christian, this has to happen. It's not optional. It's not like, eh. No.
1: You either are or you aren't. There's no like, the whole
0: lukewarm thing didn't work out well. Literally, God will spew us out of his mouth. He will vomit us out of his mouth if we're lukewarm Christians be either hot or cold. That's 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 what scripture tells us. The greatest earthly picture of love I've ever experienced in my life is that of my wife. Gretchen has loved me unconditionally. Gretchen has loved me when I didn't deserve it. She's been unconditional and selfless in her love. She's devoted herself to a guy who quite frankly for a long time and still at times is a big fat moron I screw things up constantly I get selfish and 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 indulge my own my own wants and desires I rarely give up the remote it's just that was not engendering an applause but thank you Leah my daughter I rarely give her control of the of the stereo in the car I've got a lot of work to do, people. Pray for me. But she's offered forgiveness when it was undeserved. She's thought the best and hoped for the best. I'm blessed to have a beautiful wife who's loved me the way that Christ calls us to love. And every day is a new opportunity to learn again to love people and to share hope. Every day. We should approach every person and every interaction as an opportunity to learn and grow in love. Everything. We can't be satisfied with reflecting Jesus only when it's convenient. Are we the Jesus followers who cut off the ear, thinking we need to defend God, we need to defend the gospel? Or are we the ones who condemn violence and work to heal? Because that's the Jesus I read about in Scripture, the one
1: who desires to heal, the one who desires to restore, the
0: one who desires to love regardless. Henry Drummond says it this way, is life not full of opportunities for learning love? Every man and woman every day has a thousand of them. The world is not a playground, it's a schoolroom. Life is not a holiday. But an education. And the one eternal lesson for us all is how we can better love. Let me repeat that. The one eternal lesson for us all is
1: how we can better love.
0: That should be a challenge for each and every one of us, no matter where you find yourself. How can we better love? Would you bow your heads with me as we prepare to close? You know, as we move forward as a community of Jesus followers, we've got to remember we're called to love God and love people. We're called to love, grow, and be. We've got to make the decision to love God and people. We've got to commit ourselves to grow in our devotion to God and to others. And we've got to be willing to love everyone. In everything at all times. Father God, we ask for your strength. These seem like impossible expectations, and yet we see that you did it. You sent your son, your one and only son, to this earth to die so that we could have life. Jesus walked this earth and loved people unconditionally. And our greatest desire is to reflect you and to do the same. We ask that you give us the courage to speak life and love in the midst of hatred and evil. We ask that you give us the ability to see through the noise, to see the heart of a person, not just what's coming out of their mouth. We pray there would be an awakening in this country, that the Spirit of God would begin to sweep through our homes and our places of government and our country and our states. Our leaders, our hearts would be awakened
1: to what you're desiring for us.
0: God, we want to reflect you today. Help us, Lord. Speak to us by your Spirit. Remind us each day of where we place our trust, where we find our hope. That We might share that with others and an attitude of love and service. God, I thank you that we don't have to do it alone, that your Holy Spirit goes with us each and every day and gives us the strength and gives us the power, gives us the courage and the patience to speak life. We ask for your help today, God. Do you find yourself this morning having not stepped into relationship with Jesus. Maybe you say, you know, this all sounds great, but I just don't know. This is, this is, this is too tall of a task, and it's too tough to accomplish, and I just don't know if I can do that. I'm here to tell you when you step into relationship with Jesus, everything changes. So this morning, if you are either here in the house or you're tuned in online, and you're desiring to step into relationship with God, to have this strength of the Holy Spirit working on your behalf to help you to love people. We're going to say a prayer in just a moment. It's a simple prayer. But Scripture says when you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that Christ died and rose from the dead, you'll be saved. Forgiveness is available if we just ask and we confess of our need of a Savior. So this morning we're going to say this prayer, and I would invite you in your heart to say this prayer with us. We're not going to have you raise your hand or single you out, and our entire church family will pray this prayer with you. If you want to make that decision, believe in your heart that Jesus died for you confess with your mouth your need of him let's say this together together church father God please forgive me I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes I believe your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live and he died and was raised back to life so I could have relationship with you I ask you today to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change. I commit to live my life for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Greatest decision you can ever make, to step into the most perfect love that's ever been given. Today, I want to let you know if there are things that you would like prayer for or would like someone to agree with you in prayer for. Our prayer teams are available for you at the back of the worship center. If you're tuning in online and you'd like somebody to pray with you, believe for the needs that you have, you can email us at info at or you can give us a call at our church office. We want to walk with you in your journey to loving people, and today as we step out in faith in the midst of a country and a world that is at each other's throats, I would ask you, are you willing to love people? Are you willing to grow in the knowledge and the understanding of who Jesus is and in community and relationship together? And are you willing to be the kind of person who loves people in everything at all times? This week, we have an opportunity as we step outside of this place. And I would ask again that we take the opportunity in each and every moment to be the neighborhood. I hope you have a wonderful week. We look forward to being together again soon, next week. And I pray that you have a blessed week. God bless you as you go. We'll be